Hello and welcome to the Folk Music Podcast. My name is Anders and in this episode of the show I'm speaking with Swedish folk guitarist Oskar Reuter. Now, I'm sorry that the episodes have been less frequent lately and uh, there are mainly two reasons for this, I think. The first one is that this fall I started a Norwegian sister podcast to this show called Folk Music Podden. And it has taken me a lot of time and energy to get that show off the ground, so to speak. And I kind of knew it would be hard for me to run two weekly podcasts at the same time. Um, and turns out I was right about that. <laughs> and the other reason is that this fall I also started a fairly ambitious renovation project in my house. Um, so my studio is just a storage space for boxes and tools at the moment. So it's really hard to get anything done, really. But I have high hopes that in a couple of months, everything will be a lot more organized. So, um, yeah, I really hope that I can get back to my regular schedule soon. Fingers crossed. (laughs) But I'm very happy that I managed to get one more episode out before Christmas. And this is a conversation that I recorded back in the end of October. So it's been a little while, but it was really fun to revisit. As I said, today's guest is Oskar Reuter. And I've been a fan of his playing and his approach to Scandinavian music for a while. Um, in our conversation, we touch on a lot of different topics, including, of course, the role of the guitar in Scandinavian music. And he shares a lot of really good advice for anyone wanting to get into that thing. Um, we also spoke about his recent solo album, his experiences learning the Nickel Harpa, and a bunch of other things. So... Yeah, some of the things we're saying in relation to the pandemic might sound a bit dated at this point. Uh, as you know, things are moving very quickly. Um, but I guess you'll have to take it as a window in time, so to speak. I really enjoyed this chat with Oscar, and I'm hopeful that you'll find it interesting too. So I think that's it for the intro. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Oscar Reuter. All right, so I'm here with Oskar Reuter. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So it's great to finally meet you in person because uh, I've been following your work for a while now on the internet. Yeah. Uh, and we've also been speaking a few times. So, uh, But this is the first time we actually meet Yeah. Uh, because the stars aligned in such a way that we're both in the same city today. So I knew I couldn't let this opportunity pass. So thanks for taking the time. Thank you again for having me. It's pretty crazy to meet in person after <laughs> writing and seeing exactly. your stuff yeah. it's like we spoke before we pressed record here. it feels almost like i know you yeah. from watching your online yeah. content for so long yeah it's crazy so weird times but um yeah great to have you here and uh, i have i feel like we can talk about a hundred different things yeah <laughs> so <Good. laughs> just just start yeah see where we take I have some questions but um we definitely have to touch on your album which you released a month ago yeah and um we have to nerd out about guitar tunings and stuff like that. Please, do. <laughs> but I feel like um, a good place to start is, um, uh, I mean, I think we have fairly similar musical backgrounds in that we both started out studying jazz music. Yeah. Um, but then for one reason or another, we kind of stumbled into the world of folk music. Yeah. <laughs> um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about how that happened for you and how that ties into what you're doing today? Yeah, of course. Well, I, I played jazz when I studied uh, at the university in Gothenburg. And before that as well, when I went to Folkhögskola, two years studying jazz. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a jazz guitar player. When mm. I started the university, I was very, yeah, that was my thing. I played jazz and I loved it. But somehow I um, started to get annoyed at the jazz scene and the maybe it was mostly me but the the feeling was that everyone was more like mm, seeing what people did wrong mm-hmm. and not listening to the music sort of so I and I practiced a lot of Coltrane changes at the time yeah um, and I couldn't really play that and I so or, yeah. make day, it musical or find the music in yeah it. it's some people can it's and it's great but i i couldn't find the melody lines and i couldn't hear the melodies and the chord progression one day i just sat down and i don't like this chord progression so no. <laughs> and i had just met a, a one of my best friends at the time an accordion player mm-hmm. jonathan larson and we met and we he started to learn me some some tunes swedish tunes 
and it was totally different from playing jazz. It was like three chords, mm. and uh, the melody was the focus, and I sort of at once just fell in love with the simpleness of playing folk music. Mm. Um, and that's when I just stopped playing uh, jazz almost yeah. at once, and then and started to learn a bunch of tunes. And I think we when we met, two thousand and five, I think, uh, we met and played every day for a half a year, mm-hmm. literally every every day. And I went to my first uh, like folk music um, festival or Spelman Stemma that summer, and I totally loved it just jamming with a bunch of people and it was so easy playing together mm. in a jazz content it's some you have to know more to be able to play together yeah and i find that with uh, or that's one of the things that attracted me to folk music as well like the it's easier to play together without it being very serious yeah. maybe like yeah. when you go to a jazz jam session yeah. it's like okay it's your time to take a solo mm-hmm. all the the nerds in the audience are taking notes yes like you kind of judged uh, all the time yeah but in a folk music jam it's usually more like community based you're playing the melody together sort of yeah yeah it's really and that was one thing as i went to the jazz club in in gothenburg (coughs) nefertiti nefertiti a great jazz club Mm. every tuesday they had jam sessions and i was new in town i've been studied for like a month or so at that university and it was such a big thing for everyone of my uh, fellow students and friends to go up on stage and and jam and I really wanted to try it and when I my first time and I think only time I did uh, (laughs) I was so nervous I was extremely nervous and I went up and I played one tune that I knew and then there was some other really great jazz musicians musicians playing and uh, we played a, a tune that I knew, and uh, it went okay, I think. Uh, and then after that, there was another tune came up that I hadn't played, mm-hmm. and it was too fast for me. No. And I tried my best, but really didn't uh, play any good. So then I didn't go back to the jam oh. sessions. <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah, it was so weird being so nervous for some a jam session. I which is supposed to be fun. Yes, <laughs> it wasn't fun at all. It was no. really, and I it was my first time there. And a bunch of students who've been going to the university for a couple of years was sitting in the audience, and I knew that everyone was like um, judging me f- for mm. my playing, and that I was. Yeah, how people saw me for their coming years, exactly. what I did there. So, uh, yeah, I just stopped playing jazz. And <laughs> <laughs> was that kind of one of the moments that kind of yeah. made you stop playing? Yeah, it was. It was, really was. It didn't, I didn't enjoy playing music then. No. And when I started to play folk music, I really started to enjoy playing again. And it was yeah, more happy yeah. <laughs> playing but um, so it was Swedish folk music from the start. Uh, not really. I I think it was just before Christmas two thousand five. Uh, at the same time where I met Jonathan, I uh, got a question from some other friends that I knew not that much because they needed a, a mandolin player for their um, newly started bluegrass uh, country band. Okay, uh, which is something completely different. Yeah, it's entirely. It's, yeah. yeah, it is. So I. I got a, a really crappy mandolin for Christmas uh, from my parents, and and I started to practice uh, like bluegrass tunes and learning the chop chord and mm. stuff like that. And that was a totally different uh, road or path from from playing folk music. Mm. Um, so I think when I I got the first mandolin there, and I I think I had it for a couple of months. So was Tra- this before I discovered this, the Swedish folk music? I think it was. I, about the same time, okay. I think I I bought I got the mandolin for Christmas and I started to play with Jonathan maybe mid January mm-hmm. after that. So we played a lot and I practiced mandolin on my own mm-hmm. and uh, and bought a better better mandolin this oh, yeah. the summer <laughs> and I just uh, practiced and started to listen to Chris Seely and stuff like that and I wanted to be a, a mandolin player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was I think that was my main focus on. My practice was mandolin, but I played a lot of folk music. Mm. I didn't practice that much. And bluegrass, it's that's kind of its own thing, isn't it? Like it's 
I mean, I'm very impressed by the people who are able to yeah. make music uh, <laughs> in that genre yeah. because there's so many like, well, in one way there isn't, but there is so many rules and constraints to what makes it bluegrass and what, I mean, yeah. as we spoke about before we went on the air, like someone like Chris Thiele, he can break all the rules and do whatever he wants with it, but yeah. you kind of have to get to that point where you, where you know the rules yes. and can actually do music within those, with that framework. But uh, do you still play bluegrass, or is that something? Uh, no, I don't. I played in a band for uh, called Downtown Ramblers, and we played quite a lot. Sounds uh, like a bluegrass band. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, at first, we were called Emily and the Downtown Ramblers mm. because our vocal and well, our singer was called Emily. Uh, her name is Emily. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we took that away, so we just became a band called Downtown Ramblers, and I I think we played until. 2014 or 13 from 2005 mm -hmm. and uh, yeah we played a lot and played a lot in in europe and went to the states once and that was a really huge experience and super cool to meet all the blue real blue rest musicians there mm. but uh yeah i think at when we stopped with that band i really like stopped playing mandolin because uh it was. It's really hard, like you said. Bluegrass is, I think, super hard. Mm. And playing mandolin, you, you're supposed to play, like, play fast solos, and that was never really my thing. I, I no. think, but <laughs> I really like listening to it, and I, I enjoyed playing as well. But I was more into bluegrass solos. Like, oh, now you have ten seconds to prove how yes. much of a musician you are. Yes, do something very <laughs> impressive and musically. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> And interesting. Yeah, no. Play the, the licks, but not like everyone else is mm. playing them. But yeah, so I, I don't play that much bluegrass now. I've sort of like, went on my solo record, if we go to that, I sort of came like mixing some bluegrass and some Swedish folk and some of my jazz mm. background as well. There's even some electric guitar. Yes. Some of the tracks. Because I, I think... Uh, after playing jazz, I think I sold my electric guitars. I had only one mm. for a while that I didn't play. But now I picked it up again. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's nice. Sometimes it's nice to come back to instruments and genres that you haven't worked with in a while. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm kind of in a similar boat as you. Like, I have too many instruments and too many genres mm. under my belt. But sometimes it's nice to... Like, I recently started playing the harmonica again, yeah. which is an instrument I used to play mostly in the blues context when I was a teenager. Mm. But I recently started using it in, like, a folk music context. Yeah. And, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool you approach the instrument different now with all the, the, yeah. the baggage you picked up along the way. But, sorry, just to go back to your record... Um, which is called Current State. Yes. Um, and it seems like it's your corona project. Yes, it is. <laughs> it really is. Because uh, when all the gigs got cancelled, I had not that much time, but I had time that I had, had to do something like creative, not to be like crazy. Mm. Uh, so so I, I had, I think, two recordings from before that I thought, hey, they sound pretty good. Maybe I can do something with this and record some more stuff. And at first it was supposed to be like four or five tracks and just a di digital recording, mm. digital release. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, I think it's nine tracks now or something. Because it's it was more more fun than I thought. Yeah. Doing it all by myself. And you have your own home studio setup, like Yeah. So you could do it all yeah. at home. I have a, a place where I, where I re rehearse and practice and I just set up my stuff there. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was fun, but I I really missed playing with other people. But it's pretty easy to do something on your own. Mm. You can do it when you have the time. And exactly. When my kids got to bed, I could sit up and mix mm. mix stuff and you can edit. make all the creative decisions as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm I'm more of a ensemble musician than a solo guitarist. Okay. Because I I think uh, yeah. I started to play like solo stuff 2015 or something when I bought I <clears throat> I met a guy called Ted Ostrand who mm -hmm. builds guitars okay and he builds some amazing 
he built an amazing guitar for me 2015 and i followed him to some like guitar um conventions or guitar maker yeah luthier showcases sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so uh, and then i had to have some solo guitar stuff to perform okay. on the guitar so that's when i started to to try that and play more finger style guitar okay um, but I said, a lot of the stuff I've seen you okay now we're already transitioning into the nerdy stuff yes <laughs> go ahead <laughs> but like most of the videos I've seen of you where you play solo melody based guitars you seem to prefer to play with a pick yeah um, do you do any finger style stuff at all yes I do and on the record I think it's like mainly finger style stuff okay yeah I think so but uh, it's still a very crisp sound yeah do you have do you have long nails? No, I don't. <laughs> no finger picks. I or, just uh, got a really good guitar. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I that's when I started to play more finger style. At, mm -hmm. I think five years ago. Um, but it's uh, and I met I met a guy called Emil Annebro, who is a, an amazing finger style guitar player. Mm. And I I can't play like he does. He's because he's a finger style like Tommy Manuel style guitar. Yeah, player. that's that just a separate thing. Yeah. Almost. It is, but it was like uh, when I went to these guitar sh luthier showcases, I sort of got a glimpse of this finger picking guitar world, mm. and it's it's really big. Mm. It's, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it is. Uh, and I try to yeah do my thing with the finger style playing, playing some kind of folk mm -hmm. folky style of it. Swedish tunes or yeah, yes. I started with that. Now I. I write a lot of music and I mainly play my own stuff. Yeah, because the, the tracks on your album is maybe, is it only your own tunes? It's uh, one by my friend Erik Dahl and one uh, traditional Norwegian tune. Yeah, the Knepalling. Uh, yes. Yeah. Nice. That I, I learned from my teacher, Matthias Peres, I think, yeah, 2008 or something. Mm. So I picked it up now when to record. Cool. Yeah. I like um, the walls that wanted to be a Polska. That's, yeah. that's a good uh, tune and a good title. <laughs> it was. I think I I made it for some. When it was, uh, yeah, about about being yourself, being who you want to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and when I was pretty new to folk music, I didn't really know what was what. No. The, what what is a Polska and what is a waltz? And mm. I, I made a tune with three parts. It's like starts out as a waltz and then becomes more and more like a polska. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Hmm. So, um, okay, it's already uh, a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's usually how it how it goes. But um, so you play mainly acoustic guitar and and acoustic instruments. But yeah, uh, is that something you did before as well when you were into the jazz thing or? Did you, yeah, that's when you discovered acoustic instruments? Actually, when I started to play folk music, I didn't own a, an acoustic guitar. <laughs> I used to play my mother's nylon string guitar when okay. I lived at home. And then I started buying electric guitars. And uh, when I met Jonathan, I had a, a Line 6 Variax guitar, if you know what that is. Like an electric guitar with like uh, emulations yes. of... Uh, so when we started out, I had a this Variax guitar with the acoustic sound. Uh, so it was an electric guitar and I could even like choose 12 string sound. Oh Jesus. So, cause I, I would have judged you very hard if I saw you at the yes. gig. <laughs> me, me too, me too. Uh, yeah, so I, cause I listened to Vasen. That's one of my favorite uh, bands, all mm. categories. Mm. And I thought like 12 string guitar, the sound of that is pretty cool. Mm. And I, when I started out, I played <clears throat> standard tuning because that was what I knew. Mm -hmm. I had never played like Dadgad or open tunings at all. No. And so I I played standard the first uh, half a year, I think. And then I, I bought my first acoustic guitar that spring. And uh, at that summer, I saw Vasen for the first time. And I also went to a concert at the... A theater called Vestano Theater. Mm -hmm. They had a, a theater with a bunch of like great tunes from their their uh, 
shows, their mm. theater shows. And I, I saw Matthias Perez also played 12-string guitar for yeah. the first time. And I emailed him and asked how he tuned his guitar and got an email back like when I just had sent mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents lived in Värmland at the time. And I went to Blocket, like uh, eBay. Yeah, Swedish eBay. <laughs> Swedish yeah. eBay. And I found a, a 12-string guitar for sale just a couple of kilometers away. So I went there and bought it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your first like acoustic uh, instrument? My first acoustic 12-string. Because yeah. I bought my first 6-string uh, uh-huh, uh, yeah. a couple of months before. Mm-hmm. And then I like stopped playing electric guitar and just hmm. played 12-string guitar. I never looked back. Yeah. And then I suppose you started uh, experimenting with different open tunings? Yes, because when I got the email back from Matthias, he wrote how he tuned his guitar. And he also wrote like the string thicknesses of, uh, of that he used. Mm-hmm. So I just went and bought what he had. Yeah. Uh, and the guitar I bought was a, a Seagull. The same brand as uh, Roger Tallroot used okay. at the time, as uh, so I really had uh, big uh, like role models in the mm. playing guitar, folk music guitar. Nice, mm. it's a good place to start. Yeah, it really was, and is still is. They're the best. Mm. So, um, That's the difference between Sweden and Norway, I think. But in Norway, we don't really have folk guitar tradition in the same way as you have in Sweden. No, uh, there are a few players, really good players in Norway these days. But I feel like they mostly take their inspiration from the the Swedish players, like yeah. Roger Talrot, as you spoke of, and yeah, guys like Alla Müller and, uh, yeah. and Espen Aselius. Mm. Um, so, but did you feel like you kind of had to? There was already a tradition there which you could kind of just step into. Yeah, you didn't have to invent. No, that was pretty cool. I just mm. started playing with that tuning and pretty it's it's pretty easy to get into it because yeah. it sounds really good when you just press down two fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's easier to learn that than to learn standard tuning guitars. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I started to play that and it's I, kind of a similar thing to the Irish jam scene where you yeah. you just show up with a dad guy tuning guitar and yeah. banging just away. Just move your capo all, all over the fretboard yeah. and it sounds good everywhere. Yeah, well, that's what you think in the yeah. beginning. But the <laughs> <laughs> it, it can get, get, get harder than that as well. <laughs> so what was the question now? If, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I started to like transcribe a lot of SN tunes and listened mm. a lot to both uh, Roger and Matthias and found there are pretty other amazing players as well that I listen to. And Ale Müller is also a big influence. Mm. But that's a different kind of like the Sittern and or yeah. Mandola. Do you play any of those kind of, I don't even know what to call those instruments. Like no, it's... It, big that's mandolin? A, yeah, that's a jungle. <laughs> uh, I I call mine, I have one. Uh, and I ha- the first one I got was called Låt Mandola. It was like a tune mandola but yeah. it's actually an octave mandolin but i i usually refer to them as like bazookis yes that, that seems that's to the me. irish uh, yeah uh, i think sittern is the most common nowadays like five um would you say string ten, pairs uh, yeah five string pairs or four string pairs mm. uh, but it's basically an octave mandolin with an extra pair of strings yeah so it's when i tune mine in fifths it's a octave mandolin plus a mandocello in one I don't know what a mandocello is. It's a it's a cello, a mandolin tuned as a cello. Uh huh. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about that. <laughs> well, but that's not really what I. I don't play that much sitar. I I got one because I needed one for for a job. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when I I choose an instrument now, I only play guitar, mm-hmm. twelve string or six. Because it's a bit of a different approach, isn't it? it depends, I guess. I I think maybe you could approach the guitar more like. Uh, Sit and player, like yes. play more lines and yeah. counter melodies, things like that. I think when I, it's it's for me, it's like different tunings. It's totally different things. Mm. When I pick up a guitar that's standard tuned, I only play like jazz licks because yeah. that's what's in my fingers. Yeah. When I pick up my my guitar that I use now, that's tuned. Yeah. If anyone wants to know, it's C F C F C G. Okay. It's Is that something you've? Made up yourself, or is it's it's like uh, Roger Talrut tuning. Yeah, uh, only on my sixth string I tune it up uh, a third because it sounds better. Mm-hmm. 
the low Roger tunes A D all over the place, all yeah. over the fretboard or the strings. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the six string, that's too low, I think, because yeah, the string is gets too wobbly and yeah. it doesn't sound that good. So I mean, I I dabble a bit in guitar myself, as mm. you know. Yes. Uh, mostly in like Celtic music, but every now and then I find myself at a jam session where they play like Pulse or Polska yeah. Scandinavian tunes, mm. and. If I'm drunk enough, I, I try to do some backing, mm-hmm. and it sounds rubbish because it's very different from the Celtic style. Yeah, yeah I struggle to to get the rhythms right. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a bit easier with the Swedish music than the Norwegian. I haven't like experimented no- enough with it, but the thing with the Celtic tunes is like they have a steady beat. Yeah, it's more party music some, somehow. Well, maybe, but it's 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 kind of uh, it lends itself to a, like a steady backing, whereas yeah. Maybe in Scandinavian music, you need to follow the melody even closer. I don't, I don't know. Do you have any insights on how yeah. to approach this? Yeah, the way I think about it is that the melody is uh, the main thing. Mm-hmm. It's not so common to have a tradition that you have dance music that's based on a melody. No. Of course, the melody has a rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, well, but but that's kind of unique, isn't it? Like I, I spoke about this with Jens as well, your mm-hmm. bandmate from yeah. Sver. Um, about uh, how like the Scandinavian folk music is like it's a melodic tradition that contains both the melody mm. and rhythm because the tunes have a lot of notes to yeah. like keep the rhythm for the dancers and there's also harmonic information in the tunes mm. just by how they're made yeah. so it can be hard for a percussion player or a, um, a chord player to approach them because I, at least I find myself that it's so easy to just step on the tune or take it like force it in a direction you know yeah yeah that's uh, some sometimes i think uh, to learn a tune i have to yeah i try to learn the melody and then it it becomes something else when you add a guitar to it mm. and and sometimes it's not better to add a guitar no. <laughs> you just have to sit quiet and listen <laughs> but uh, so you say not all tunes lend themselves as well to chords well, I I really like adding chords to melodies, so I try to do the melody justice somehow. Um, but but there are also a lot, a, a lot of tunes that's drone based, mm. so you don't have to do that much with chords. You can focus on the rhythm. Yeah, more of because I feel like if you have a tune in D, yeah, and you play the B minor, mm. it's like. Okay, he played the okay, B minor. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Go there again. <laughs> yeah, I for I have like periods when I try not to use the the minor. Yeah, the parallels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because such an obvious thing to do. Yeah, you play it in the second second B part. You go to the minor, mm. and then you go to the like uh, third in the bass mm. uh, thing. And sometimes I just get sick of that uh, thing. But it's. Uh, and sometimes I really love it. Yeah, yeah. but Not, would you say like yeah. it's important to? Because what I find with Scandinavian tunes is the rhythm kind of changes from bar to bar as well. Yeah. So you kind of you you really need to to know the melody. I suppose is the the bottom line. Yeah. Like in in an Irish tune, you can kind of get away with just yeah. banging out some some really groovy rhythm because yeah. you know that the melody will kind of keep the same pace in a way, whereas. Yeah. With Swedish and Norwegian tunes, that's often not the case. No, I I agree. Mm. Uh, it's it's very melody based. But do you have any advice for like guitar players who want to get into that tradition? Like how where to start? When I have like workshops and stuff, I always start with a melody. Mm-hmm. I I learn. You teach them I how te- to play the actual melody yeah. on the guitar, yeah. and it's of course it's different with a you can't you really play the bowings and stuff like that, but just to know the rhythm of the melody and the notes uh, helps helps me to also to start hearing how to find chords to it, mm-hmm. um, and as you said, it's very often it's very. Um, uh, the chords are given in the melody. Mm. You play the chords that you that that the melody plays. Somehow, it's how do you explain that? You know, you know what I, I mean. I think I know. You what can mean, you yeah. can hear the chords where they change and yeah. Um, and I think it's just to start hearing that. Mm. 
And then sometimes I hear different stuff than other uh, guitarists. Of course. But that's that's um, a good thing. It's mm. the same with melody players, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You hear different. Hmm. Cool. Uh, I'm sure we can uh, link to some resources in the show notes, like guitar players to check out and yeah. other nerdy stuff. Uh, the f- the the first one is Sero Gitalrut. Yeah. Yeah, invest, and I guess... They kind of almost invented that whole genre yeah and in in sweden the tuning he's he's using is also called tallroot tuning mm-hmm. so it, he's uh i guess the the tuning was there before he used it but yeah. he made it big and now yeah he's the the first one to check out mm. if you want to play folk music guitar swedish or scandinavian style mm. and matthias peres is another one mm. and i really enjoy ian Carr. yeah um, who's an, if, uh, British? I think right? so. Yeah. yeah, living in Sweden. Um, and now I'm forgetting someone. I I guess, but oh, there's yeah, so many. But yeah, we'll, I'll, we'll make some some links. Yeah, good. But let's uh, talk about something else. Um, yeah. You also play the nyckelharpa. Yes, I started to do that a couple of years ago because I was in a band uh, called Goodland Trio, and we had a saxophone player Hanna Viskari in Griffiths mm-hmm. really amazing saxophone player she played she's playing a soprano saxophone uh, really beautiful mm-hmm. and one of my best friends and uh, she's married to a, a guy from New Zealand so and they've been living in Sweden for a bunch of years and 2016 they moved to New Zealand so we had a really hard time getting time for rehearsals <laughs> yeah. when she moved there uh, and my my friend Jonathan that I mentioned before he moved away from Gothenburg to to study uh, carpentry. Do you say that? Oh. He, like building furniture I and think stuff. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he, so I I was alone in Gothenburg. My two people that that I played mostly with they moved away. Mm-hmm. And I I've been working at a theater that I mentioned before the Vestano Theater. I was I worked there summer 2015. Mm-hmm. And that summer I'd been every night I borrowed one of my friends, uh, Mura Harpa. It's an old version of Nickel Harpa. So at, uh, in the evenings after the theater was done, I got to my cabin in Värmland and I practiced Mura Harpa, started learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, like in case someone listening aren't familiar with that instrument, like the Nickel Harpa, it's yeah. kind of the Swedish national instrument. Yeah. Or it depends who you ask, I guess. Yes. But, but it's, it's like, it looks like a, Big guitar, almost that you play with, a, or, a, it's or a, how would you describe it? I would describe it as a like you play with a bow mm-hmm. and a you small have, bow, uh, yeah, short short bow, and uh, you have keys like you press down keys, and instead of using your fingers to press down the strings, you have these keys that press down. So it's a like a medieval synthesizer. Yeah, almost kind of like a hurdy gurdy played yeah. with a bow. Yeah, that's the. Really good uh, explanation, yeah. and a lot of resonant strings as well. Like yeah, the the traditional nickel harpa that's or the one that's mainly played now has got three rows of melody, the uh, three melody strings, mm-hmm. and uh, one drone like uh, that you can play with a bow, and then you have twelve um, sympathetic strings. That's the word. Yeah. yeah, so one for each note. So there's a lot of strings to tune, mm-hmm. but the one I play is the fiddle tuned. Uh, Nickelharpa, so it's uh, yeah. So I'm guessing this must have been a like a big change coming from like I mean, I have a fiddle that I take mm. out sometimes and mm. embarrass myself. Yeah, but like it's it's such a like any, anything played with a bow is just so different from everything else. I think yeah, it's, it was really hard. And uh, since I I pretty much knew how to play guitar pretty good when I started playing Nickelharpa, I knew how how music could sound good which makes it even harder yeah because you realize how shitty you are in the beginning i really had to like not listen too much at how crappy it sounded Mm -hmm. in the beginning Uh, so i just uh, i think i'm pretty good at at doing that well that's that's a good skill (laughs) i I think if you want to learn anything yes and i uh i really like got into it and practiced a lot um but it's still it's really hard playing with the bow is that's the main, like how to keep the groove and everything is in the bow, and mm. it's hard. Pick, but a I, pick is. But different. it sounds really great. Like 
And you're you're even using it in professional context with bands and stuff. So yeah, uh, that's one of my other like good or bad sides because I I don't really I can throw myself out. Like I have my first um, my first uh, I played in public for the first time when I played Nikla before like two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've don't think I've ever been that nervous before. And I was <laughs> I was playing. I was feeling the sweat yeah. dripping on my back, <laughs> and I had my glasses. Uh, I started to feel that the sweat was dripping from my forehead down to my glasses and down. Oh, on yeah. the <laughs> I was so nervous. It was and it sounded pretty bad and like my hand was shaking. Oh, yeah. I don't know the English word for that, but shaking bow hand, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, maybe it's like, because it's a traditional instrument, the stakes are, it, they feel higher, yeah. in a way. I know. It was really weird being that nervous, but it's also good to to know how people starting playing instruments feel for the first time mm. playing in public. I mean, I, I picked up the guitar a few years ago, and I also started playing. I'm using it in professional context, yeah. and like for the first few years, I just felt like an imposter. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I know exactly. <laughs> look at me. I still, still do. Okay, someone is gonna like um, yeah. discover that I don't have no idea what I'm yeah. what I'm doing. But, but as you said, like that's the way to learn. Like put yourself out there, and yeah. And I I've really gotten pretty like strange gigs for for. Uh, because I play the nick clap, I, I think the the weird weirdest was when I uh, a guy called Erik Rydvall, mm-hmm. a pretty a, a great nick clap player, maybe one, the most famous nick yeah, clap player the, in the world, one of the best in the world, mm. uh, and he played with a, a Swedish rock legend called Thomas Ledin, mm-hmm. and he had a like a, a show in Gothenburg where he played Nickelhappa and there was it's this is a rock band and yeah but he did kind of a folk album didn't he yeah he did a couple of years ago and he on this the show he had Nickelhappa and and the fiddle and a saxophone player besides his like guitar bass drum band mm-hmm. uh, and Erik had some other gigs with his band Nordic Nordic mm. it's called Nordic uh, and needed a, a sub for the for the show okay and so that he asked me because he played guitar and he played uh, sitter or man- and mandolin. Oh yeah, Eric. In Eric in the show. Yeah, oh, Eric okay. did. So he needed one someone who could play Nikolorpa and all the other instruments. Nice. And I <laughs> I played guitar pretty good, but I had played Nikolorpa for maybe two or three years, mm-hmm. and I was subbing for one of the best Nikolorpa players <laughs> in, in the world. Oh, uh, it just goes to show how useful it can be to have the right combination of skills. Like yeah, and it was. Then I was in this, the show. It was like five hundred people in the crowd every night, um, and I only did four shows. But I had this glitter suit <laughs> doing the the show show thing and playing like uh, rock nickel harpa, and it was really weird but super fun, mm. super fun experience to do something yeah. like that. Yeah, we don't get to do that all that often. Unless, no. Uh, like I feel like the music I'm involved in during my career gets more and more like narrow, and yeah. the audience gets smaller and smaller. And yeah, but it's it's fun to do a big show like that. You get to see the other side. Yeah. Yes, I did, <laughs> and it's not better on the other side. No, <laughs> every time it's, it's different. Like yeah, it's, the other side is different. That's like good, sometimes I I get involved in like very commercial pro- projects just because I know people in the scene. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun to do them because, as you say, like you get a glimpse of, of that world. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, you, you just you just have to do what you enjoy doing. Otherwise, yeah. there's there's no way you will be able to to keep it up. No, I think the doing different things make makes me want to. I I know more what I want to do and what I don't want to do, and it's also it's it's fun to try different things. Mm, for sure. So um, yeah. How has the last six months been for you? Like, I mean, you you, you made an album, yeah, which I is uh, which is good. Yeah, that was that was fun, but it's it's been weird as for everyone, because mm. I made I made the album started to make the album when uh, all the the gigs were cancelled and I had time, but I was also uh, in last year I was home with my youngest daughter. Uh, so I guess my everyday kept on 
quite much as much as before. I went to the playground mm. and played with her, mm. and uh, except that I didn't go away on on, on shows and yeah. gigs. So it, it was it was pretty pretty w- weird anyway. Mm. Yeah, like for everyone. And I I just before Christmas I hurt my knee, like uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I couldn't uh, get in the shape of your life. No, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do those Corona stuff that everyone else did. Like, um, and I couldn't even run, run after my my kids. Oh. I was mm. mostly sitting in, in the couch and seeing her running around. Mm. Um, so I got a bit depressed. Mm. Uh, I have to say, especially because I looked so much forward to the summer yeah. and with the shows. I was. <clears throat> I had some shows with Sveer, which I really looked forward to, and had some other stuff. I was Do you even joined now? Yes, I think I'm. Congrats. That's why you're here, actually. You, you played a show last last night. Yes, I played a show with Sveer for Folkorg, mm, which is like the Norwegian folk music organization. They did some big streaming events. Yes, yeah, six hours six streaming. Six hours folk music streaming. So that's that, that's pretty massive. That's pretty good. Uh, and it was really fun playing with them again. Mm. And I, as, as I said, I look really looked forward to doing the some festivals with them uh, this summer and I had um, was going to California to teach at a camp Sierra Fiddle camp yes I uh, really looked forward to that um, and then it all got cancelled and mm. I was sitting on my couch with my knee yeah. <laughs> uh, and not sleeping too much with my kids no. so I was I got a bit depressed but I, I think somehow s- uh, some gigs uh, that wasn't booked before came like streaming stuff, mm. and it was wasn't as fun as, play, as playing live for no. people. But it was playing with people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's been the, the big thing for me. Like, yeah. I miss playing with other people because yeah. I mean, as you know, I'm a bit I'm. <laughs> I I I I managed to make myself busy by yes, doing you, things like this. You're really busy, and <laughs> but some it's you. I need to play with other people. I'm, I'm not really that much of a solo. I've never been that much of a solo player. For me, it has always been about playing music with other people, yeah. and that's not very easy. No, <laughs> it's, it is. It's not. But you you sound good playing on your own as well. So oh well, thanks. Well, you too. But ah, thank you. But <laughs> it's I, I'm, I'm I'm the same. I mm. enjoy like music is the thing with music for me is uh, making it with others and like see what happens. Mm. I think when I was like 14 years old I was uh, planning on quitting playing guitar. Okay. Because I didn't really enjoy it. I was going to this music school and I really loved my guitar teacher. He was great and he was the one who said, "No, just continue bit longer maybe mm-hmm. find someone to play with okay if you, because you weren't in the band or anything no. at that point and then yeah. i met some people and i joined a band and then mm. it was uh, yeah i then I, you it all makes sense like yes <laughs> to play with others is uh, that's the main thing mm. cool but uh how do you how do you see the next six months do you have any because i mean this isn't going away like we can no. always of course we can hope that societies or the society are able to adapt and like i mean it is possible to have concerts the way things are now um but there's it's so difficult with like the the this the distance has to be there and and all that stuff and and you never know all of a sudden there can be like uh what you say an up outbreak new outbreaks and then everything gets cancelled so yeah i don't know i don't really know because the the show last night with Sphere was the last uh, booked show with Sphere, so we don't have anything. Maybe the Ork- Orkney festivals in in May mm-hmm. is uh, next thing because we had a tour in in the states in January that's cancelled, which is kind of fun. Like you joined the the busiest folk band in Scandinavia, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then now by the way, all the gigs are gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I I joined in August, and we had I think eight seven eight shows in in norway and and then uh, two american trips coming up mm-hmm. and uh a week after i joined all the gigs were cancelled yeah <laughs> so it was pretty it's weird it's a bit but funny yeah <laughs> uh, it's it's funny but not not op- only funny no it's a bit sad as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i so it's last night was the last show with sphere that booked and i have one 
like church gig in November, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's it. But I, I don't have any more. Yeah, one like workshop weekend in February. Mm. But I don't know what happens. Oh no, yeah, I have like that's, one gig uh, yeah. before Christmas or something. So that's pretty <laughs> depressing. But but it, I mean. I think it's important to to pay attention to your mindset because it's as you say it's so easy to get depressed. Yeah. But I think the only way to get through it is to just find the things that give you joy or yeah. or are like a bit of light in the dark and just cling to them and yeah. like really pay attention to what works, hmm. even though it can be hard at times. Yeah. But but you're busy. I, I mean, I managed to keep myself extremely busy yeah. no matter what. <laughs> I mean, I'm stressed out even though uh, there's nothing to do. Yeah. So it's maybe it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword for me actually yeah. because I really struggle to just relax yeah. and like not do anything, which I should probably do at it's some point. Uh, like finding the balance. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The, the I have the a, like I work fifty percent as a guitar teacher, mm. uh, so I have like a, uh, in a. In a, a culture school, yeah, yeah, in Gothenburg. So I I teach kids how to play guitar, mm. standard tuning mostly. Okay, yeah. and a- uh, ACDC. Yeah, I actually. Or I don't know s- what the kids play these days. Yeah, I some ACDC and some other stuff. I I transcribed some Pearl Jam last week, and that was okay. really fun. I don't even I don't really hear any guitar in like pop music these days. No, but. Uh, as I say my to my students, you can play guitar on all songs. So I I play a lot of like top hits tunes with them because that's what they hear and mm. play guitar. Do you try to sneak in some folk music when they when they don't pay attention? Uh, well, not when they don't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. I I try, mm. but I somehow try to get them to want to play guitar and, and mm. then we play tunes that are good because the key is like. They have to discover it themselves that they want to to uh, to learn it. Yeah, you can't. You can't. F- I don't think you can force anyone to enjoy a specific type of music. You no. just have to give them the option to discover it themselves. Like. Yeah, that's the thing. Like sh- showing what's there and see if they like it. Mm. Since I have this fifty percent uh, job as a teacher, I have my like income saved. It's safe. Mm. So I'm not really that stressed over not having any shows, but I, I miss it, and I really hope that it gets back yeah. to business soon. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't want to keep you all day because oh. you have a long way to travel back to Sweden. Yeah. But thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. I think I've just been sitting here talking about myself for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... How that's, are you, Anders? Yeah, Do you well. want to talk about how you are? <laughs> well, I'm... Uh, I'm pretty good, actually. Yeah. You are? Like, I, I, I mean, this podcast has been my corona project, obviously, yeah. Yeah. and I'm spending probably way too much time on it. But um, it's actually starting to to pay, even. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm going to have a secret project coming mm-hmm. up soon. Oh, cool. Um, so that's fun. For me, the, the problem has always been that I start something and I go all in. And then I kind of drift off just before it kind of takes off. <laughs> okay. So sometimes I like wonder what what happened if I just stayed on the jazz course like yeah. ten more years of uh, working in the jazz scene. Yeah, I I know the feeling. But obviously you can't think that way. So no, but it's uh, it's fun to think about what could have happened if you had taken other turns. Sure. And if if you haven't met some people that took you one direction. Mm. I mean, life is just, there's so many coincidences. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if we have any control at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> but if people want to learn more about you and your projects, yeah. uh, where's the best place to do so? Well, I'm on social media, uh, Oskar Reuter Music uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, my website, oskarreuter.com. Um, and your album, Current yeah, State, my is album on current, Spotify? Yeah, it's on Spotify and it's on all digital platforms as we say because i i haven't uh, i didn't have any money to like press cds and uh, since i i don't have any plans or um hopes of playing solo <laughs> solo shows no uh, i didn't think it was any use of 
like pressing CDs. So no. it's, it's only digital now. I have gotten like four <laughs> emails that people want to buy, <laughs> okay. and I'm not sure it uh, pays off to just <laughs> press four albums. Yeah, let, just let's put it this this way: like under my bed, there's like a thousand CDs. <laughs> yes, <there's> a, <laughs> I also have a lot of CDs. If anyone want to buy a CD, just yeah. let me know. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you teach o- online lessons? Uh, not that much online. I have done some things online. Actually, I did a really amazing thing with this Sierra Fiddle camp that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. They made an a online camp instead. And I was a bit like, uh, yeah, didn't think it was going to be really great. No. <laughs> But it was, it was super cool seeing this community of fiddle maniacs uh, do a... A fiddle camp online. It was really good. Mm. So I th- I had a one really good experience of of teaching online, and I've had some like some private teaching online. So mm. if someone wants to wants to contact me about that, just go ahead. Yeah, nice. Hopefully you yeah get a few students yes. out of this. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap up. Thanks yeah. for coming. Thank and, you so much. Uh, I hope to see you again soon and hopefully have a few tunes. Yeah, that would be nice. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Folk Music Podcast. As always, if you want to learn more about the show and the episode, uh, you can visit the show website at thefolkmusicpodcast.com. You can also follow the show on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at The Folk Music Podcast. And finally, I just want to say thank you to everyone that has been listening to this show throughout the year. The Folk Music Podcast has truly been a journey for me. Um, it's been so great learning how to be a podcaster and and having this opportunity to to meet so many great musicians and, and people in the folk music community has it's just been a blast and um, and I'm really grateful for all the the feedback and the positive reviews that I've gone on the show so um, yeah can't wait to see where things will go in the next year but until then I wish you all a Merry Christmas and I'll see you in the new year take care